it's about that time. For the inside trip. You know that nasty trip. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? Hey there, wrestling fans. We are back. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 40. 40. 40. 40. That's nice, man. I know. I'm I'm pumped about it. Um, Hey, this is me, Brandon Olinger, and as always, joined alongside me is my, my one of my best friends, co-host of this podcast, just overall funny guy, Ben Watson. Ben, what's up, bud? What up, what up, what up? What's going on, man? Dude, I'm happy to be here tonight. I think we're going to bring the listeners a fantastic listening experience. Um, it's been... It's been it's, a while since we've been it's on, It's been huh? a while since we've been on. I tell you, these you last, tell uh, last two weeks has been rough for me. I had a... Had my third spinal surgery a, a week ago Thursday, man, and um, you need a baggyotomy. Next one is gonna be a baggyotomy. <laughs> I, I am hurting bad, yeah, to be dude. truthfully honest. But uh, all good. Got to fight through the pain sometimes. Got to move on. Uh, so hey, listen, look, this is the Inside Trip. You can follow us on Twitter at the Inside Trip One. Send us an email. We love them. The Inside Trip One at gmail dot com. We got a Facebook page out there. It's the Inside Trip. Find it, like it. Uh, communicate with us. We love communicating with all you uh, amazing wrestling fans. You know, people just as passionate as we are about this wonderful sport. Um, so yes, hit us up. Um, the podcast itself, you can find it on places like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, maybe even Spreaker. Definitely on SoundCloud. But hey, do us a favor. Go out there, subscribe, download, listen. And if you're feeling saucy, and I mean really saucy, right, on a Friday right. night after a few adult beverage yeah, sauces couple, couple cocktails, couple cocktails. Uh, leave us a little rate and review we appreciate those yeah man hey it's funny you're talking about how you're like you're hurting right now and you gotta fight through the pain talking about we gotta fight through the pain to put this podcast out there man you're tough dude I'm hurting no, I, I you have no idea how bad I'm hurting but you, you know we had to bring the um had to bring the podcast we haven't done it in a while you know? haven't and okay so like you know I don't know if people look sometimes in life there's gonna be technical difficulties when you're dealing with the uh, what is it? What, we're dealing with technology. So, you know, we have an awesome guest coming up, and we actually did a podcast with him last week and didn't realize until it was almost over that, uh, well... Until it was over. Until it was over. Um, literally an hour-long podcast. Until it was over that... Ben forgot to hit record. No. no I'm just kidding. But no, until it was kind of... It was screwed up. Like it the, was. The first 20 was. minutes were fine. And, you know, thank you for, you know, the person we're about to have on, for, you know, for, for doing this again. But, oh, my goodness. Imagine nailing an interview, you know, with somebody, getting off, and then we're checking it and realizing, like, oh, oh shoot. We can't use it. Yeah. But you know what, though, Ben? Look, I think everything worked out for the best. Tonight's conversation that we had with our guest was an amazing conversation. Um, really got some great insight from, uh, realistically speaking, and I'm not just saying this, one of my favorite characters in college wrestling today um, such an amazing guy who's come a long way to be the athlete that he is, the person that he is. And we're going to get into more of that here in just a bit. So, Well, here's how amazing he is. He literally took two hours out of his day, one last week and then one this week, to talk to us about wrestling. Uh, seriously. Uh, valid point, man. Valid point. 
Uh, so look, we've been we've been away for a while. There's been a lot of things going on in the wrestling world. Um, first, want to congratulate David Carr and Iowa State University on uh, his commitment to them as uh, as Ohio State Buckeye fans that we are. We are obviously a little disappointed that the Ohio uh, the Ohio wrestler decided to go yeah. out out of state, but you know, kind of following his father's I think footsteps. It's cool. But I can respect it. Man. I think it's cool. Like you know, obviously, I think we all wanted to land David Carr as Ohio State fans. But, Absolutely. But you know, if we didn't land him. And, all, and, you know, we've got some other recruits that are coming in. And, we, you know, and when we do an Ohio State podcast, we could talk about that a little bit more. But I think it's neat that he's following his father. And not only his father, but his brother. And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's the whole family's wrestling mm-hmm. out there. So congratulations to him. And, hey, how about some big news today? Sammy oh, Sasso. Ohio State. Yeah. The one we've all been waiting to hear from, Sammy Sasso, the big-time PA recruit, yeah. decides to, uh, you know, come out to uh, – uh, Columbus to continue yep. his academic and his wrestling career as a Buckeye, and we are super pumped to That's have solid. him. That's solid. That's solid. I'm so. excited to have him. So just before we get into this, I, I, where, where do you project him? You project him as a 57 pounder. I like him at 49. Do you really? Yeah, I like him at 49. I thought he was. I thought he'd get a little bigger. Just way looking, man, man. I loved watching him at Iron Man. He looked freaking awesome. No, I liked him. I like I, his hair. Yeah, I, I do like his little hair. crazy I like fro. I like him at 49. Some other good news. Um, you know, we saw that NATO, who you know was projected originally to be out, Nathan Thomasello, uh, until January. So you know, some people were kind of speculating online, and I, this was probably just made up that what the people were saying was there was an ACL tear and that he wasn't going to get surgery and wrestle with an ACL tear. And I was that was that you know I, that's bad. I was worried. I and was it, concerned. Instead, it sounds like he just got his knee scoped and he's going to be back real soon. Uh, sooner than expected. Um, I don't know if anything's been made official, but uh, from what we've been told, that it's uh, definitely not as uh, bad as what was originally feared. So, well, there was a couple articles good. written. Oh, about, were they? Yeah, okay, the okay. articles are already out. Good, yeah. good. Articles uh, are out, and uh, you know, no articles on this one. But we also heard McKenna is uh, will be fine. We'll be fine as well. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, McKenna injured himself in the wrestle off with Keyshawn Hayes for 141 pounds this weekend. Um, so for Buckeye fans, that's great news all around. Uh, Tomasello's going to be okay. McKenna's isn't that serious. And we get the uh, the big-time recruit in Sammy Sass. So things are looking good, man. Looking good for the things Buckeyes. But, you know, let's talk about another, you know, not a Buckeye wrestler, but from the Buckeye State. Absolutely. So it's no secret to anyone at all that one of our favorite characters in college wrestling is um, Duke University All-American Jacob Casper. He's got quite the social media presence. He is an Ohio-grown boy who went to high school in Ohio. Um, and, and I'm just going to be be frank about it. He didn't have what you would call um, an illustrious high school career. He had a successful high school career. Two-time state He's placer. a two-time placer, yeah. uh, fourth as a junior, third as a senior um, in uh, Division Two, which is kind of uh, the second smaller. I guess it's the second biggest division. Yeah. We have three divisions. He's got so, Graham in it, though. Right. Um, uh, Jacob Casper had a had a relatively you know successful high school career. Um, he was not highly re- highly recruited coming out of high school. Um, you're going to hear more later about that about how he had to take recruiting matters into his own hands. Um, he eventually has landed at Duke, as we are all aware, and last year uh, became the third All American in Duke's wrestling history, which is just a phenomenal feat. Yep. And for as good as a as a wrestler as he is, he's even a better person, which I think is what makes me like him the most. He, he really is, and I don't think it always. I think 
I think he's a lot of times misunderstood, you know, um, in, in interviews and in social media. But he's a very, very hardworking, driven, dedicated individual, and he has goals, and he's willing to do anything to accomplish those goals. But like you said, um, and, and if you really stick through this podcast and listen to it through the end, you're going to hear some stories at the end about some of the things that just make him a phenomenal human being as well, and uh, obviously all the more reason for us and for anyone else to root for him. So without further ado, we are going to bring you this interview that we just did with Duke University All-American Jacob Casper. We hope you enjoy it. All right, listeners, joining us tonight for our milestone episode number 40 is one of our favorite collegiate wrestlers, Ohio-grown Duke University All-American Jacob Casper. Jacob, how's it going, man? Uh, It's going all right. How are you guys doing, Ben and Brandon? Ah, I'm doing great. Doing good, man. Nice to talk to you. Likewise, I appreciate you guys letting me on. I've been a big fan for a while now. Well, we've been a big fan of yours as well for a while, so um, we're definitely excited to have you on. I know that uh, you and I had kind of talked about this uh, back in the spring. Um, we both had a, a mutual interest of, of getting on and doing a podcast episode together, but we, you know, Ben and I thought that you know a, the best time would be as we're getting ready to kick off the men's Division One season, and that's getting ready to start right up a, right around the corner. So, what better time to have you on than now? Um, so, again, thanks a lot. Um, we're going to just go ahead and kind of roll through this, keep it casual, just uh, have a good time talking about your career, where you've come from, where you're at now, where you're going, and um, anything else you want to discuss as well. So. Uh, let's go ahead and get started, man. So, Duke University All-American last year. I think you finished your season thirty and six with a sixth place finish at the NCAA tournament. Really, in in a lot of people's minds, come, just coming out of nowhere from the beginning of the season. I mean, let's face it, you started the season out unranked, and then you went into the national tournament as the four seed and was able to get on that podium. Um, a, a pretty successful season by most people's standards. What are your thoughts on your season last year, Jacob? Yeah, you know, um, it was it was a good time for sure, kind of coming out and shocking people. But uh, at the end of the day, the goal was to sort of, you know, not sort of, but to leave with a national title. And I wasn't able to accomplish that. So although that there were uh, plenty of positive takeaways, you know, first cup, seventh couple champ from Duke, uh, decent record, you know, four seated NCAAs and everything. Ultimately, you know, I had six losses, something that I'm not real happy with and um, something that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So that was the focus this offseason looking at those six matches, finding ways to improve and hopefully closing the gap and then separating from there so that doesn't happen again. And we can end the, this year in Cleveland the right way with a national title. So that's, that's what we've been up to, basically. Okay, so to kind of piggybacking off of, like, talking about your last season, obviously you didn't get exactly what you wanted. You know, I think that Brandon and I, you know, we watch a lot of wrestling, and we were watching the Southern Scuffle, and we're like, who is this cat? I mean, you know, unfortunately, to my ignorance, like, I didn't even realize you were from Ohio. Um and um, you kind of came out of nowhere, like I said, and, and, and then you had a huge Southern scuffle. Um, you know, talk to us about, was that when you felt was kind of your coming out party um, to, to the nation? Yeah, you know, I, I would say um, in terms of like getting in a national spotlight where everybody kind of knew the name and could put a face to the name or a style to the name or a personality to the name per se. But, you know, um, that's kind of just kind of how I've always been. Um, in terms of like confidence and stuff going into Southern scuffle, I don't think it was, um, it was like a surprise to me or anything like that. I think it was more so just a surprise to everybody else. I had uh, goals to, you know, win national title every year that I've been here. And, um, 
this year just fortunately at Southern Cup where all the things fell together at the right time and we're able to chain together a pretty good tournament and put everything together and I think it's probably the best tournament I wrestled all year to be completely honest so it was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree with you as well. That that tournament was phenomenal. I remember, you know, sitting at home watching that tournament. And, yeah, we were sitting there I mean, together. Yeah, Ben and I, yeah, actually were together. And, I mean, you put on a remarkable run, you you know, beating two two All-Americans and Denzel DeJournet and Michael Carrells, and then, you know, beating a, 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 a red-hot Austin Schaefer at the time, who I think was uh, ranked, you know, somewhere around top 10, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12 in the country at the time. Uh, to to kind of seal that tournament for you and Ben and I, I remember Ben and I just both looking at each other like whoa you know who who is this guy and is he legit and obviously you proved throughout the rest of the season that that was not just a fluke tournament for you. Um, Let's just put it this way: after that tournament, you got picked up in our fantasy wrestling league. <laughs> <laughs> I was flying under the radar until then, huh? Yeah, that's when you know you're big time, right? Um, yeah. So uh, what what happened? To kind of delve in a little further into that, what what clicked for you in that tournament? Did something just click mentally? What did did you were you just finally able to put everything together with you know the hard work, the technique, and then the, the mental aspect? Or is this just you know the wrestler that you were that you and you just hadn't had a chance to showcase it yet? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's a little bit of everything that you said. Um, first and foremost, I think it was the wrestler that I that I really was, and I just didn't get a chance to showcase. You know. Uh, Unfortunately, my true freshman year, I had a lot of uh, issues with Crohn's disease. My sophomore year, I had issues with cutting weight and then Crohn's disease. I took the year off and went out to the Olympic Training Center and focused on getting bigger and stronger, actually, you know, filling out whether the weight class be 97 or heavyweight for me, and I decided to go heavyweight. And then, uh, just, you know, I've been steadily making deposits uh, in, a, in the piggy bank account since probably seventh or eighth grade and just working towards this goal. And it was just kind of time to crack it open. I decided not to go home for Christmas last uh, Christmas break. And I just focused on, you know, my workouts, recovering, and getting ready for Southern Scuffle. It was something I didn't think would really bother me. But um, as I was sitting here home or here at my house alone in Durham with my brothers and my parents and everybody else back home celebrating together on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, it kind of hit me and it struck me, you know, I was really making a sacrifice for something I wanted, so therefore I wouldn't be denied. Um, I just kind of made, you know, a conscious effort that there was no way that I was going to walk out of there without a title. Uh, not that I think I approach any other tournament differently. It was just something that I realized at the time. Um, something that I think really maybe separated Southern Scuffle from the other tournaments was actually they, they closed the rec center in the gym uh, th- for three days during that stretch over Christmas break. And I actually wasn't able to get workouts in for three days. And I think that played a big part. I think um, – something that's a common theme with me is being able to push myself and really work hard. Something I take a lot of pride in, you know, I'm sort of like a pillar of consistency in terms of working hard, but those three days off gave me a real chance to recover and get ready for that tournament. Whereas a lot of the time I think I'm working so hard, I maybe run myself into the ground to be completely honest. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, so, so Jacob, I want to ask you here and just to give a little backstory for, you know, some of our wrestlers that may not, not know about your history, um, you, you started your career off as a 184 pounder as a freshman and a sophomore. You mentioned that you redshirted, you went out to the OTC. Um, you, you've been battling Crohn's disease for a long time. I think when a lot of people hear Crohn's disease, you know, for the for the casual listener, they we may not understand the magnitude or the impact that 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 that, that, that actually has on you. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how? 
your your you know your issue with Crohn's, how that affected you your first couple of years, especially down at a weight like 184 pounds? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's important to address the issue for anyone that might be struggling out there as well, just in general. Um, hindsight's 2020, right? Looking back, I had a lot of problems growing up with my GI tract. Um, you know, my parents used to make jokes like, oh, when the workouts get real hard, like you've got to run to the bathroom real quick. And uh, it, or like when the yard work got real hard or something like that. But it, it was kind of funny to see that there was actually like an underlying issue and that's what was causing it. Um, but yeah, I got to my, I got to college freshman year. In the first couple of weeks, you know, it was stressful times when I was just throwing up all the time and I really wasn't sure what was going on. And then um, kind of subsided, you know, I kind of got into the groove of college and um, I was about 180 pounds, roughly 184 in my uh, true freshman year. So I didn't really have any issues with weight cutting. So I was eating and just kind of going throughout the college life. And then uh, college finals rolled around, right, as obviously we folks were really getting in the mix of season. And it was at that point that I started having uh, blood in my school really bad, a lot of cramping, pain, um, discomfort during workouts, and uh, a lot of issues. I wasn't able to eat. I wasn't able to drink liquids a lot of the time. I'd throw them up, or they'd pass right through my system. Um, and, you know, I, to be honest, I was really stressed out with finals. I was stressed out with being in the lineup, and, you know, I was away from home and didn't want my parents worrying. So that was, like I said, mid-November or so, and I didn't tell anyone all the way through Christmas break. Oh, man. Um, I was starting to yeah. feel even worse and worse, and um, it was just kind of starting to compile on itself. And um, I remember having a conversation with another Ohio kid that was on the team, Andrew Dehart, at the time when I was at my worst. We were going uh, workouts over Christmas break, something like noon and 3 o'clock or something, so there was basically, like, no time to recover. And I just said, man, like, how do you do it every day for four years? And he said, you just take it day by day, and you just – focus on getting better every time you go into the room. And that's something I focused on and was having a real hard time getting extra workouts like I would like to. And just really wasn't sure what was going on. So after about eight weeks, I ended up finally telling my mom, like, hey, I've been internally bleeding somewhere for about eight weeks now and been having a lot wow. of problems. So she got me into the doctor there. I tried to tough guy through it. And sure enough, like my blood counts were all over the place. And I ended up having to miss a practice and then a, a duel um, to get a colonoscopy and start to get the medication figured out and everything. So that was really unfortunate. Um, but then, you know, moving forward, we got an iron supplement to make up for my anemia and everything like that. And by the end of the year, I was feeling better, but I was definitely frustrated and learned a lesson the hard way of, you know, it, it doesn't make you any less of a man to reach out to someone when you're having problems. Sometimes, you know, it takes being a stronger person to be able to reach out when you're having problems and get that help. And, you know, I, like I said, I paid the price the hard way and missed out on a lot of my freshman year and missed out on a lot of improvements that year um coming back the next year i was about 212 pounds or so i had grown significantly um and i remember something pounds yeah uh, 20 30 pounds pretty easily um and i remember going back into the coach's office thinking i was going to get to redshirt because i was supposed to redshirt my true freshman year they said like hey we want you back at 84 you know you made a lot of improvements and at the end of the year you were ready to compete on the national level you just had some issues during the year that made it so you weren't able to. So I said, you know, if you guys want me to do it, I'll do it for the team. And um, that was basically the deal. So every week I was coming in and cutting 25 to 32 pounds a week. And oh, it was Jesus. a really, really hard, hard cut, especially with uh, my stomach and everything. <clears throat> so I was trying to maintain my diet, trying to eat really bland food, and I'm limited. So I think you're not really able to eat. You're getting your your uh, carbs and, you know, all your macronutrients through liquid diet. So that made it difficult. Um, I, they ended up, you know, 
coaches ended up taking control of my weight in some regards, you know, putting me on like a weight maintenance thing where I wasn't allowed to come in over 207 at the beginning of the week and had to be within like 12, 12 on a Thursday and stuff like that because basically they knew that I would do whatever it was going to take to make the weight, um, which probably wasn't best for my performance or best for my health. So I definitely appreciate them doing that. But yeah, that year, you know, I struggled with uh, Crohn's flare-ups again, as well as that weight cut, which was severe at times. And I remember actually Southern Scuffle that year, um, I was weighing in, I got last called on the first day, and then I got last called again on the second day. And as I was getting cowed off, I told told Coach Lanham, I said, I apologize. I've never had weight concerns. He said, it's all right, man. Like, I understand this is a huge cut, and you're like, want to make the sacrifice he said you just make it the rest of this year and you never have to make 84 again I, I, and I took it as you never have to make weight again so that's why I went all the way up to heavyweight <laughs> let me ask you a question let me ask you a question Jacob right do you I mean do you and, and like do you regret cutting out I know you so you qualified for nationals that year and we can definitely talk about that but do you regret cutting that weight because you know I'm kind of a big proponent now of I cut way too much weight in high school and even a little bit in college and you know I, I just I hate to see people cutting weight. I think it ruins the sport for a lot of people. I mean, spend your time getting better. What do, what do you think? I mean, I know you were probably doing it for the team, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I definitely was doing it for the team. We had, you know, Duke's arguably Duke's best year ever that year. We had five national qualifiers. And um, like I said, the coaches wanted me to do it. And I gave my word, you know, I've got a lot of respect for my coaches and um, a, a lot of loyalty because they gave me an opportunity when a lot of people wanted. So, um, they wanted me to do it, so I was going to do it. Um, I don't know if I necessarily have any regrets. You know, I think it was a valuable experience. I learned how to suffer, how to be comfortable being uncomfortable in a different regard. You know, I can relate and help out to guys on the team that are cutting weight now, even though I'm a heavyweight, which is kind of odd for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I just ultimately don't think I'd be the person I am um, now if I didn't do that. So, no, I, I don't think I regret it. Um, I regret some of the things that I did during that time. You know, I think maybe on a Friday or a Saturday morning, I focus more on losing weight instead of getting better. And I definitely regret that. But, you know, the experience as a whole, no, I, I probably wouldn't take away from it. Um, I know the NCAA tournament that year, I tried to limit myself to getting um, only 10 pounds over after weigh-ins. And that, that definitely affected my performance a lot. And I regret that. I wish I would have just let my weight blow up and then, you know, focused on getting the weight off afterwards. That's, that's probably really the only regret out of that year, to be honest. So, Jacob, I remember in, you know, some previous conversations that we've had in the past, you know, you said that during your time at the OTC, during your redshirt year, you actually had a a major Crohn's flare-up out there. And if I'm not mistaken, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you were, you were basically told by a doctor there that you either need to quit cutting weight or, or, or quit wrestling, uh, more or less, um, yeah, that's definitely accurate. Um, I was out at the OTC, um, some things kind of fell in place and coach Lindland uh, offered me an opportunity to compete at Pan Ams, but I was having, again, uh, Crohn's flare up symptoms, wasn't seeking help. Like I, I should have, again, uh, you'll notice that's kind of a common theme. I was kind of raised with the mentality, you know, you man up, you saddle up, you kind of buckle down and just take your lunch pail to work and uh, punch the time clock. So, you know, I, I wasn't one to complain. Nobody really wanted to hear it out there. I felt like I was the, the guy that had something to prove. So I didn't say anything, pushed through it, told coach Lindland I'd compete at Pan Ams. Meanwhile, I was running the, the GI doctor and stuff uh, in between practices, and he sat me down and just said, like, look, man, like, you're not going to Pan Ams. Like, you're in a really bad spot health-wise, and not only should you not wrestle at Pan Ams, like, there's a good shot you shouldn't wrestle anymore. 
like cutting weight and trying to, you know, lose weight is not good for your system. It already doesn't take in a lot of the sustenance and nutrients. So you can't be uh, basically withholding nutrients from it um, furthermore. So we had that discussion and, you know, I told him basically I'm wrestling at Pan Am's like I'll cancel whatever doctor's appointments I have to go and wrestle. And he definitely wasn't happy with that, but I took his advice in terms of not cutting weight anymore. So I guess we can call it one-to-one and we'll say we went even out there with the doctor in Colorado. Well, you know what, man, I, I, I just from my perspective, you're, I, I got to say the decision that you made going from 184, taking that year off and then going up to heavyweight was a, was the right move for you. I mean, just statistically speaking, you were 24 and 12 your sophomore year. You did qualify for the national tournament, but you know, you, you bump up to heavyweight two years later. You start the season out 25 and one. You finish at 30 and six. Um, you know, you you get that uh, a phenomenal, you know, basically a phenomenal season that ends with an All American performance as well. Um, you know, now I know you know you've you've mentioned in the past. I know last season did not end the way that that you wanted it to end, you know, you, you kind of are, you have the, the, I guess the, the pleasure and the, uh, I guess not so pleasure of having arguably one of the greatest wrestlers in the world in your weight class right now. Talk to us a little bit about that. What, what's it like having a guy like Kyle Snyder in your weight class, you know, a guy, a guy like that, that you can, you can think about when you're training or, you know, you know, aim to, you know, set goals to, to beat. What's that, what's that do for you? Yeah, I mean, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. I think there's sort of two schools of thought involved or surrounding when there's, there's an individual held as high as he is. You know, I think there's the, oh, man, that's unfortunate type mentality. And there's the, oh, this is great. Like, let's get after it. This is going to help me become the best wrestler that I possibly can. And I'm definitely the latter of the two. You know, I'm, I'm excited every day I get to go in. I'm chasing, like you said, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And, I mean, he's starting to make a case for being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So that's who I'm comparing myself to in terms of workouts. That's who I'm trying to catch. That's who I'm trying to push past. And that's who I'm trying to beat. Um, you know, I, I think there's kind of a misconception that I don't respect or, you know, don't um, – I, I don't know exactly what the term would be, but, you know, you know, I'm aware of what he's accomplished and that's why I, I want to pursue it so um, strongly. You know, I, I want to be the man. And I think, you know, there's all these hypotheticals. I'm a student of the sport. There's all these hypotheticals. Um, who would beat who in this time period, you know, would the 95 world championship team beat this year's world championship team and this and that, and, you know, it's just great to actually have the measuring stick with you right now. Like right now he's, probably the greatest college heavyweight and making a case to be the greatest college wrestler ever. And that's, that's who I get to go in and compete against in my mind every day. And I get to compete against out on the mat. So I'm excited for the opportunity. Like I said, you know, I'm getting to push myself to be the best possible wrestler I can be. And I'm, I'm ready to get after it. You know, I, I want to make it more of a rivalry thing. I want to go back and forth with him and, you know, bang and scrap and get to compete more often. And I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm glad that he's at my weight and I'm glad that I'm at his weight and I'm ready for the clash again. So yeah, I mean, Jacob, it's it's that type of mentality that makes, you know, good wrestlers great and the rest of us not. To well, be it makes it exciting. And it makes it, yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes it exciting to watch as a fan. Exactly. Um, so kind of speaking of that, go ahead. Yeah, kind of, you know, going along those lines, you know, sometimes, I, in my opinion, I think that you can be 
taken the wrong way um, on social media, uh, message boards and things like that. Um, in, in particular, especially with, with Ohio fans or people in Ohio, which is something that's kind of, <laughs> kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But, you know, you made the comment last year that you wanted to go out and, and kind of punch Kyle Snyder in the mouth. And look, I know you weren't being literal with that. And if you were, I apologize. I was waiting for him to do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think you took a lot of unnecessary uh, backlash and, and, and grief from that, in my opinion. Um, explain that a little bit. Explain what you meant by that for the, I guess we'll say for the listeners that, that think you really wanted to punch him in the mouth. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a pretty common phrase. And I think it's unfortunate some people didn't know. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, if they want to cheer me, if they want to boo me, I'm fine with whatever, as long as they're cheering at the end of the day. You know, it got people talking. It got excitement around the match. It got uh, a ton of views on ESPN and everything else. So it is what it is. I'm cool with it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I meant that I wasn't going to back down, that I wasn't afraid of him, and that I believed I was going to win and that I was going to give it everything I had. And I stand by that. I still think I'm going to win. You know, I, w- I can tell you I was still heartbroken after that loss. Um, I've never stepped out on the mat with a mentality that I was going to lose. Uh, maybe it's not realistic, you know, like you said, my true freshman year, I went 15, 16, I had a losing record, but I can tell you every single one of those matches, I walked out there with a cool, uh, with a full conviction that I was going to win in those matches as well. And that's just kind of a mentality I have. That's kind of the person I am. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go out there and try to wrestle a different style. I'm not going to try to game plan and stall. Um, I believe my stuff is the best stuff there is, and I'm going to go out there and try to execute it and, try to perform to the best of my ability and, you know, ultimately enforce my will on someone else. And I'm not going to back down or change that just because of who else is out there. So that's, that's basically what I meant by the statement and stand by it. No, that's, that's great to hear, man. And that's what makes the matches, you know, exciting for us fans to watch and create storylines. And I, I thought it was great. You know, Jacob, I don't know if you recall, but last year um, after your scuffle, uh, I'm sorry, after, after your scuffle victory, um, you were kind enough to kind of do a little Q&A session with me. And, um, you know, we in one of the questions, we were kind of talking about Kyle Snyder, and there was always something that really – this really stood out to me, and I, I think it's important for people to hear your comment on this. But, you know, you said that Kyle Snyder is widely considered the king of American wrestling, and you want to take that crown. You want to go down as the giant slayer, as the guy who did the impossible, but most importantly, you just want to be remembered. You further went on to say the NCAA heavyweight wrestling champion is hands down the baddest person in college athletics, and you want to have that title. Talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me. Yeah, in you fact, know, I guess. In, fa- I- in fact, just I'm sorry, I don't mean to in- cut you off there. No, but, you're fine. You know, talk to me a little bit about that, and specifically expand on your comment of most importantly, you just want to yeah. be remembered. I think that's such an impactful comment there, and, and such a deep statement. And I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, uh, I guess first and foremost, you know, back in back in the day, the Iron Age and, you know, the Stone Age and all that, um, back when a king used to have a kingdom, you know, you, you sat in your kingdom and you, you ruled over the land until somebody came in and was, you know, kind of man enough to walk in, kick the front door in and, you know, dethrone you and take the, take the crown, take your head off. And that's kind of the mentality I take, you know, uh, especially going back to Ohio where I, I thought I was, you know, born and raised and then I had to go somewhere else because they didn't want me there. So I'm excited about the opportunity to come back in Cleveland. I want to take the crown not only in Cleveland to take Ohio back, but, you know, the United States is my country. I'd like to compete on a world level. And 
uh, accomplish a lot of the things he's already accomplished. So I want to do the same thing there. I want to, like I said, ride into town with me and my boys, um, take the front door in, walk in, take the throne, take the crown. So that's kind of the plan there. Um, in terms of getting remembered, you know, that's just something that that's really important to me. You know, I, I think I'm not afraid of really anything. I'm afraid of being afraid of things. And, um, one of the one of the things that I'm afraid of, like I said, of being afraid of is like not making a big enough impact. I'm afraid of not trying new things, not growing, not developing. Um, I'm afraid of, you know, not making a big enough impact on people, not changing lives, not inspiring others. So I, I want to be that guy. I want to be um, that person that someone can look to and, you know, believe they can because so-and-so did it. And I think that I'm in a real uh, unique situation. I've got a real platform because, you know, I wasn't the biggest kid i've never been the strongest kid i've never been the fastest kid um i wasn't like the most genetically blessed you look at my high school career it's, it's mediocre at best i took more losses in my senior year than he took in his than he took takedowns in his entire career um but you know i've just worked hard I've, I've woke up every day with a goal i've grinded i've done the right thing um i'm proud of who i am and what i've done uh, I've lived the right lifestyle. You know, I've never drank. I've never smoked anything. Um, I'm loyal. I stay true to my word. I'm, you know, I, I'm just kind of the person that I wish I had to look up to uh, when I was growing up. And I hope I can be that for someone else. And uh, that's partly what inspires me. You know, I want to be that for someone else. And I want to get remembered as that. So I, that's why I wake up and work so hard every day and give everything I've got and push to those extremes because I hope someone can look at me and, you know, Maybe it's only one person, but they can say, hey, so-and-so did, you know, Jacob did it. He wasn't, he didn't have a winning record his freshman year, so I can still do it. Or, you know, Jacob had Crohn's disease, so I can still do it. Or, you know, Jacob didn't get recruited by any D1 schools except for one, and it was a school that wasn't always historically the best at wrestling, and he was still able to do it there, so I can do it. So that's kind of what the wanting to get remembered comment has to do. So that, that's just kind of where I'm at. I think it's a great comment, man. I think it's a great statement. What you just said there is phenomenal. Um, you know, you mentioned about being somebody, being the type of person, you know, that, that you, for people to look up to and, and whatnot. And I think we're going to get into more of that later, but, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You were not even, you weren't a state champion in high school, correct? Correct. Yeah. And how, how did you do in high school? Um, so my freshman year, I was actually JV most of the year until, um, a teammate and then a Duke teammate, Brandon Gambucci, we were both teammates oh, yeah. at high school and um, college. Yep. He ended up dropping down to um, chase Ty Mitch because Ty Mitch beat him previously oh. in the state finals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that opened an opportunity for me to slide in at 125. And not like I had to win a wrestle off or anything. I was literally the only 125 on the team. So I ended up getting to wrestle at sectionals that year, but I went 0-2. Um, and then sophomore year, I actually lost my beginning year wrestle off again. Um, ended up coming back and beating the kid for the spot later on at 145. Ended up going 30 and 20 and 0 and 2 out of the district tournament that year. And then junior year kind of was under the radar most of the year. Again, had a breakout year. Um, was ranked, you know, with the old Brakeman report. That was the best. Oh, yeah. Lord Brakeman was the man. He was Brian. Oh, Brian. Like, like that. <laughs> What did you say? I'm sorry, you broke like up there a little bit. Or something like that. I ended up, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Lord Brakeman had me at like number 12 my junior year, and then I ended up winning a really thrilling match to go to state. Ended up getting on a run at the state tournament. Ended up fourth, losing in the semis. My senior year, I was uh, 
like 53 and two on the year, and I ended up losing in the state semis again, despite being uh, projected state champs. So no, I never won a state title. You know, I was a two-time state placer. I had a lot of improvement um, and just did a lot of the right things. Yeah. So, but no, never a state champ. You know, I, I think it's important for people to understand that because you went from a guy who you know, basically kind of lucked into the varsity line, lineup as a freshman. Your sophomore year, you lost your wrestle-off, but eventually got it back. You know, your junior year, you you know, you fly under the radar. Your senior year, you still couldn't, you know, win that, you know, that, that coveted state title. But no matter what, through all that, you, you persisted, you continued to work hard, and, you know, it's taken you to where you are now, which is uh, – I mean, an NCAA All-American and currently ranked, I don't know, what, top five, top six in the country, you know, right now yeah. entering in your Caesar, you know, your senior season. So it's just it's phenomenal what you've been able to accomplish through through hard work and determination. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kudos for you. And I think it's for, important for people to understand that um, you talked about not being recruited very hard. In fact, if I remember correctly, through our little Q&A, you actually had to kind of take recruiting into your own hands, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of schools contacted me or uh, were interested, I guess, so kind of reached. Um, I knew I had the, the desire to wrestle Division One. Um, I knew the time that I had already put in. I had won several of our open mat contests at, at my high school. Um, Coach Brent Rathbetter did a great job of organizing an open mat summer schedule so that we were able to really improve. And me and a couple guys, you know, Jake South, Brad Metz, Josh Lanner, Brandon Gambucci, Calvin Campbell, my brother, uh, Brandon Lenard, John Watkins. We all worked really hard in the summers. We'd, you know, sneak into the weight room. We'd drill at 3 a.m. down in my basement because we had two pieces of mat down there. I mean, we did some crazy, ridiculous stuff because, you know, at the time we were trying to compete with St. Paris Graham, and we never were able to catch those guys. But uh, we never were able to catch them. We ended up runner-ups my junior year. But we worked really hard, and we were able to get a lot better because of that. Um, but at the same time, even though we were – working really hard and getting a lot better. A lot of the schools didn't see us because we were sort of in St. Paris Graham's shadow. And uh, because of that, a lot of us didn't really get recruited despite being state finalists, state champs, state placers. And um, that led to a lot of us reaching out. Fortunately, we had Brandon Gambucci that kind of came before us and paved the way. And sure. he sat down with me after my junior year at the NCAA tournament. And he told me, look, these are your grades. This is what they need to be at. These are the schools that you should contact. This is what you should say. Um, this is who you are. This is what you represent. And you need to let them know that. And he really put me in the right direction. So I reached out to a lot of schools, mainly Ivy League and uh, those caliber academic schools. And um, fortunately, Duke kind of knew me just because of Brandon and a couple of the other guys that were there. And um, fortunately, they also were able to respond because none of the other schools really did. So. Duke and NC State were really the only two schools that I really got in discussion with, and um, ultimately I chose Duke because my, you know, my best friends were here, and also because of the academics. So that, it ended up working out. But yeah, not, I wasn't very recruited. I wouldn't say I was really recruited at all, to be honest. Do you think that type of rejection causes you to wrestle and compete with a little bit of a chip on your soul, your shoulder, and helps you has helped you be as successful as you are today? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am with a lot without a lot of the trials and tribulations I've had in my life. Um, like I said, I've, I've got a really deep rooted loyalty to these coaches for giving me an opportunity to compete. So if they tell me, hey, you need to go run into that brick wall, I'm going to go full speed into that brick wall and I'm not going to question it. 
Um, they, they've told me what I need to do. They've beat me down. They've torn me down. They've built me back up. And um, I wouldn't be the person I am today without them. Um, when I step out there, you know, I know what they're willing to give time-wise, body-wise, sacrifice-wise to help me improve. So when I step out there, it's my opportunity to show how much I love them back and compete. So that's why I compete with such intensity and passion because, you know, I'm getting to represent them. I'm getting to represent my teammates, and that's something I take a lot of pride in. So I want to bring it back to last year a little bit, um, NCAA tournament. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts of how your season ended. I know you started at twenty. What was it, twenty nine and one or twenty five and one? Talk to me about the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm not really sure what you want me to talk about. Uh, well, just in general, just, like your thoughts on <laughs> how it ended. Uh, definitely didn't ended. Did not end how I wanted it to. You know, um, kind of kind of wrestled a little bit tight. Um, to be honest, I think I might have burnt the candle a little bit too much at both ends towards the back end of this year. Something we're focusing on this year, limiting my workouts. There were times that I was working out five or six times a day last year, and um, I think it really caught up to me at the end. I sort of got a little bit of that coming out party, like notoriety, like we talked about from Southern Scuffle, and it was something that I didn't want to stop happening. So I kicked into overdrive instead of working harder and harder and harder. And I think it caught up by the end of the year. I was a little bit flat and a little bit run down. And also my body weight <laughs> had dropped um, significantly. So the, the national tournament wasn't great. I definitely did not wrestle my best the last couple of weeks of season. Like you said, you know, I was 25-1, and one, and then I ended the year, I think, 5-5. Five and five. So definitely had a rough stretch there. Um, I can tell you, I, I found a way to win. I think it's important. Um, I try to stress to these guys, these younger guys that are coming in, a lot of the time, it's not the guy who's the best wrestler that's going to get on the podium. It's the guy that can be the best wrestler when he's wrestling his absolute worst, just finding a way to be a little better than everyone else. And that's what I really just tried to focus on doing. Um, I had, you know, health problems, weight problems. Everyone's beat up at that point in the year. And I just tried to put all those things aside and push through it and was able to find a way onto the podium. But can tell you uh, Saturday or a Friday night after the semis, I was just as heartbroken as I've ever been. And went back to my hotel and it was, it was a lonely night and I'm ready to make sure that doesn't happen again. So NCAA was a, was a court fan sitting on the podium, getting to wrestle on the third day and all that type of thing. But I'm definitely ready to do it the right way and get to wrestle on the big stage for once in my life. So, You know, I, I don't think a lot of people really understand this, but your path to the podium last year was not beat, you know, not an easy one by, by any standards. I mean, even your opening round match against uh, Hutchinson from EMU, I mean, a very formidable opponent. You know, you followed that up with North Carolina State's uh, Mike Kasoy, who is very, very tough in his own right. Um, You were able to to get through both of those matches without even, you know, without yielding a single point. And then, you know, you meet uh, Nevels from Penn State, who, you know, I I think, you know, along with you is probably one of the most underappreciated heavyweights in the country, in my opinion. Um, you know, you, you get past Neville's and what was a very, very tough match, um, only to, ha- you know, w- w- which guaranteed you the all American honors, but that puts you in the semifinals against, you know, Kyle Snyder. Um, talk to us a little bit, you know, give the fans a little bit of perspective on one, you know, what was going through your mind entering the semifinal match with Snyder? And then two, you know, what did you take away from that match after finally getting a chance to get your hands, you know, put your hands on, you know, arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world? Yeah. Um, so going into the match, I just approached it like any other match. You know, um, I, I was pretty excited for it. I definitely 
maybe wasn't as nervous as I normally am for matches, which is kind of strange, you know, when you're wrestling on ESPN and, you know, you kind of know all eyes are going to be on you because they're watching him. So you being his opponent, you're going to get to have all eyes on you as well. But it was strange, you know, it was kind of um, eerie, kind of surreal. Um, I think I imagined it so many times in my head that it would just seem like another day. Um, it's something, like I said, that I've pictured all the time. I envision it all the time and um, kind of uh, kind of went into it confident and relaxed. And I, I wish I would have got a little bit more nervous, I think. Um, but went out there, you know, approached it the same way I always do, kind of was was ready to get after my stuff and do what I do. Um, shook hands, and the first thing I really noticed was he was significantly shorter than I kind of anticipated. Um, no <laughs> knock on him or anything no. like that. But, you know, you always hear you always hear his name and kind of these stories about how good he is and everything. And when he was down in his stance, he definitely maintained a lower stance against me than he did against anyone else all year, which was surprising. And um, just kind of a, a couple of the things that I thought were going to be there and we thought would work out didn't really present themselves because he was so short and on top of it, he uh, maintained such a low stance. So that was definitely the first thing. Um, the second thing was some of the mid-match adjustments he made. You know, I, I felt him switch his stance in a couple instances. I felt um, the way that he didn't react to certain setups later on in the match. Uh, he was definitely strong, but more so he just held really great position and kept a good pace. And uh, you, you definitely find out that he's disciplined and he sticks to his craft, he sticks to his stuff, and that's why he's been successful with it. So um, that, that's basically really what, what the takeaways were and what I felt at the time. Um, like I said, you know, I envisioned a lot, so I wasn't that nervous, and that's something that I wish I could change. And then also, like I said, we've been making changes this year in terms of the game plan, so those are the two biggest things. You know, it's funny you said that about it, you know, expecting him to be bigger. I uh, The first time I had ever seen Kyle Snyder up close and in person was at last year's Ironman tournament here at, in Cleveland at, the, at Walsh Jesuit High School. You know, he was there just kind of making an appearance. And, you know, I, I – I remember walking by him and the first thought that came to my head was, man, I, I really thought this guy would be bigger. And, uh, I said, <laughs> I said that to Ben on one of our previous podcast episodes and, you know, he thought I was trying to be funny or insulting. And I really wasn't like for his, is, you know, all the things you hear about him and all the great things he's accomplished, you know, you're expecting to see kind of like this, you know, Herculean figure. And I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a tough, strong guy, but you know, definitely, uh, you know, one of the undersized big men in the, you know, in the country, that's for sure. So, Absolutely. so, so Jacob, you know, we've talked a lot about your, your season last year and we want to move on from that, but before we do, I, I would just love to hear from you, you know, I, again, I know the season didn't end the way that you wanted it to end, but give me one positive thing that you took from last season that you're using to build on for this year. Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I just, I just think, like I said, kind of my consistency, um, my drive, my determination. I just, I just wanted to keep some of the same things. I think I did a good job last year working smarter and not harder. Um, despite not competing better at the end of the year, um, I think that I did become a better wrestler. It was two or three weeks after the NCAA tournament when my body kind of relaxed and was able to recover. Um, I definitely was a better wrestler at the end of the year. I, I improved in a lot of weak areas, and that's just something that I've um, really focused on going forward. I've got a little whiteboard on my locker that I, you know, update weekly on my areas of concentration, my AOCs on top, on my feet and on bottom, as well as um, just general life. You know, if I need to study more, I need to sleep more, I need to eat better, whatever it may be. And, you know, I write that out every week and 
when I'm, I'm goal-oriented like that, I think it, it made me improve a lot, not only as a wrestler, but as a person. So that's something I'm definitely proud of and something that I'm going to continue to do moving forward. All right, Jacob. So so we're going to move on to this year. And we all know that, you know, the first thing that happens at the start of the year is the team picture, right? In the yeah. picture, in the headshots, baby. Sure. So we checked yours out. And, you know, you're Mr. Fashion. You're Mr. Inspiration, you know. Talk to me about what was your inspiration for this year's headshot, and for all of our listeners who haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. I mean, you yeah, literally you know, have like uh, broke... you you literally yeah, have sorry. some. No, I'm sorry. You, you, I just wanted to put out there like your style, your fashion sense is. I the only way I can sum it up for people is is fun. Like it's a very very fun just trait that you have that it seems like you're not worried about you know what the average person thinks that you're just going to go out there and have a good time and when we saw your you know your team pick this year that was we were just like wow that is that is awesome (laughs) well i appreciate that thank you for the support but yeah i think you you hit the nail on the head there you know i kind of just approach every day and kind of even just my everyday fashion is you know who cares what anyone else thinks i'm going to wear what i'm going to wear and i'm going to have fun doing it and i think a lot of style, you know, with Flo's having me as a college's most fashionable wrestler, whatever it may be. I think a lot yeah. of style is not what you wear. It's how you wear it. And you wear it with confidence because you don't really care what anyone else thinks. And it's going to look cool and it's going to catch on. So, yeah, you know, I, I wore the the metallic gold jacket this year. And it's, it looks like it's breaking up. And the theme was, you know, breaking through and getting gold. And I had my own personal little insignia there on um, the bow tie. Give it a little more touch. But. Yeah, like I said, it's just kind of not what you wear, it's how you wear it. I wore a WWE title belt to class this year just because somebody said I wouldn't do it and stuff. But just take it day by day and I have fun and just kind of do whatever I want. So that's, that's kind of where the fashion came from. That's kind of what the headshots are all about. Um, kind of creating a persona and allowing kind of my personality to shine through, I think. That's it's awesome. We I, think love it, it, we, we, we love I love it, man. We love it. I love it. Speaking of fashion, you know, we just want to say, you know, say thanks again you know you were very kind enough earlier this summer you you made some t-shirts that said team casper with a little casper ghost and the duke singlet on it they were just phenomenal one of my favorite t-shirts and we were lucky enough to uh to receive one from one of you know receive one from you um very appreciative of that ben and i just want to say thanks um um, I appreciate that. We need all the help we can get. We'll, we'll definitely be sporting them out there. And, you know, I don't know who all you gave them to, but I saw, you know, some guys like Jason Bryant and, uh, you know, the Blood Round Wrestling guys and maybe even maybe even Richard Emmel. I can't remember who else got one. But just to kind of, kind of you know, for us to get one as well as some of those guys like Jason Bryant, man, that means a lot. You really made us feel special. We appreciate it. Appreciate that. No, thank you guys. You know, I, I did that. And just for clarification, because the NCAA did investigate me on those, I did not sell any of those for profit, first and foremost. No, nope. um, no. Second, second off, um, yeah, you know, I just sent those out as thank you. Thank you guys to a lot of the uh, media people in wrestling. You know, you guys do so much for us, and a lot of the time I think it goes unnoticed or unappreciated, so I wanted to give something back and, you know, just personally say thank you. Uh, like I said, I've been a fan of the podcast for a while now, so I was glad I got to do something like that and glad you guys enjoyed it and liked it. Yeah, it was a it, it was a real special touch, man. We appreciated that, and uh, yeah, for the NCAA folks out there who investigated you, uh, no, we did not pay for it. In fact, I even uh, messaged you and said a friend of mine would like to buy one from you, and you specifically said no. So, <laughs> just put putting that out there. Yeah, man. Hey, so so you know we're talking about this season. Talk to me about you know 
a little bit about the summer and kind of the preseason that you've had so far. Yeah, you know, the, the summer was a busy one. Um, like I said, took took about a week off of wrestling and then uh, was able to bounce right back. Wanted to start getting ready for uh, Greco World Team Trials there in April. Uh, went out and competed in Vegas at Greco World Team Trials. Um, again, didn't get the result that I wanted. Still felt so close, yet still came up short again. Um, so got ready, you know, revamped. Was going to try to make the uh, World Team Trials in freestyle and try to give that a shot and went to the last chance qualifier and ended up dislocating my fibula very first match. Um, didn't really realize it at the time. I remember getting hurt like in high school and junior high and stuff. And my dad always told me like, we're here, we're here to wrestle. You're going to push through it and tough through it. And actually, after I got done with the match, I lost, you know, there's no chance of making World Team Trials at that point. And um walk off the mat and there's a text from my dad like get ready to go again oh, <laughs> he geez. wasn't even there and he you was still, you know pushing you back out there and so that, that's what i did you know I, I manned up buckled up buckled down saddled up kind of like i talked about before um went out there and competed through the rest of the day and ended up coming back through and taking third despite you know a lot of that's right discomfort and i i remember coach whistle telling me like look dude like i can tell your legs seriously messed up like we don't have to do this and i just said what if this happens at the NCAA tournament next year? Like, I got to be able to compete through something like that. So that's what we did, and we took that mentality going forward and pushed through. Um, so that was in May, and then um, in June, reached out to Daniel Cormier and his training camp and said that I wanted to try to help any way that I could with the John Jones fight coming up, and he was nice enough to fly me out, and I trained with him for seven weeks or so, and then that's awesome. came back to town in Durham and got after it, and just kind of been nonstop. So I, I definitely had a blessed summer and grateful for a lot of the opportunities and experiences, but just been working nonstop. That's what, that's all it's about. So, Hey, talk a little bit about a little bit more about that experience, helping uh, Cormier train for that fight. I mean, that's such a, that's just such a neat experience that I'm sure people would love to hear about. How'd that go? Yeah, it went really great. It's kind of, you know, um, kind of again to, to kind of fall back on how I was raised. My dad kind of told me, my dad and mom raised me, you know, the worst someone can say is no. So that's how, that's kind of the approach I took with recruiting. And that's kind of the approach I took um, in regards to training with DC. I knew that he was obviously a high level wrestler and that he shared a pretty similar body type to Kyle Snyder. I thought it would probably be the closest thing I could get. And then vice versa, you know, body type wise, I'm probably the closest thing he can get to John Jones. Um, Was just sitting in the wrestling room one day talking about the upcoming fight. Not really a huge fan of fighting in general, to be honest. Don't really follow it that closely or anything. And I said, you know, I hope DC beats John Jones or whatever when the fight got announced. And a teammate said, that's funny you hate John Jones so bad, but, you know, your body type's kind of similar to his. And you do a lot of the things that he does. And I went back and watched. It was Joey Abate. And I went back and watched some of the stuff with him. And I was like, you're right. Like, I can do the right-hand underhook. I can do the foot sweep. I can do the drop-down double. I said, obviously, there's a lot of things I do that he can't do because I'm purely a wrestler, but maybe I can offer the things that I, I can do that he obviously does, too, to D.C., and maybe he could do something with it. So was trying to find a way to get in touch with it, hit up my brother Max Roshkoff because um, I knew that he maybe would have someone in the fight game, and he said, uh, talk to Jamil Kelly because Coach Kelly is D.C.'s wrestling coach and yeah. Olympic teammate. So I just messaged Coach Kelly on Facebook, added him on Facebook. I said, look, my name's Jacob Casper. I was fifth at the Olympic trials. I was sixth at uh, the NCAAs this past year at heavyweight. These are my measurements. You know, to be honest, I don't have any desire to fight. I don't want paid. 
Um, I just want somewhere to work out, basically. You know, I don't know anything about MMA, but I can tell you I'm a dog. I'll outwork anyone you'll bring in there. I'm mentally tougher than them, and I'll break them. Um, I think I can be a great addition to the camp if you guys will give me a shot. And Coach Kelly was kind enough to respond and reach out to his boy, D.C., and D.C. was all about it, too, you know, excited to get me out there and messaged me right away and got me a flight. And I just basically packed my bags. I didn't know what to take or where I'd be at or how long I was going to be out there or really anything. I just packed a big suitcase and flew on out and Ubered to the gym and met him there and stayed seven weeks with the dude. And, you know, by the second day, he was already making me feel like I was his best friend. And people were asking, like, how are you in D.C. so close? And he's just that kind of guy. You know, he's a great person and just a great overall person and great just man. So I I was glad for that opportunity. I got to obviously grow a lot as a competitor, but also grow a lot as a person. So that was, was a great time. Great learning experience. Unfortunately, you know, the fight didn't go how we wanted. Yeah. Um, there were some artificial means used um, <laughs> That's what to alter, saying. The, <laughs> alter the ending of that fight. But, you know, it, it still was a good time at the end of the day and created a lot of relationships with people out there that I'm grateful for. Man, that's th- those are the type of memories that you know that you make that's that so you're cool. you're never gonna forget. I mean, that's just a, such a phenomenal experience and a cool story to hear. And I don't remember you like you tweeting about it or anything. Did you tweet a lot about it, or I don't I don't remember much about it. Uh, no, you know, it it was you know I was out there to help him. It wasn't really about me. So that's you know I just kind of stayed low key and did what I did. You know, like I said, I'm kind of the kind of guy that just kind of clocks in, clocks out type deal. Um, when I'm grinding hard and working hard, I'm not really on social media a lot. So. That's that's kind of how it is, but no, I didn't really talk about it. No. So speaking of that, real quick, and and I'm going to take us off topic, and then we can get back on topic. But you just brought up shows from social media. You're you're kind of a heavy hitter on social media, and there's a lot of other wrestlers that are kind of heavy hitters on social media. What do you think about it? You know, why do you like to use it? And you know, what do you think about some of the other wrestlers using it? Because it, it sometimes it causes some drama. Yeah. Uh... You know, I, I obviously like to use it. I like to promote my personal brand. I think it's an opportunity to express who I am and uh, some of my beliefs or thoughts or to engage in, you know, uh, I guess, constructive discussion that allows me to grow and, wa- and broaden my horizons. I've got to meet some interesting people through it. You know, I've got to grow relationships through it. So I, I'm, I enjoy social media for sure. I'm pretty active on there. Um, I think it kind of gives you an opportunity to be a uh, like kind of gives you an opportunity opportunity to put your beliefs out on a platform. You know, I think so much of nowadays is uh, people want a superhero, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And Mm -hmm. they want this guy, you know, that, that just conveys what he means to the public. And there's, there's movies and there's toys about it and stuff, but um, there's just, I'm not entirely sure what I'm trying to say, I guess. I guess it gives you a chance to be kind of larger than life on social media. It gets you an opportunity to preach to the masses and um, gives you a platform to really convey what you mean sometimes, although it's difficult through text, like we previously discussed, you know, I sometimes get misinterpreted. Um, But I think it's great for the sport of wrestling. I think it's something we need to utilize further moving forward. Um, We're not a mainstream sport at this point by any means, but we've got a lot of great personalities that need to kind of be showcased and highlighted more. You know, I think, Reese Humphrey, Jordan Oliver, James Green, Kyle Crutchmer, all these guys, Pat Downey, you know, they create these um, alter personas kind of like Neon Deion Sanders primetime. And um, they they do a great job of being able to interact with the fans and get people interested and get a a stronger following. And that's sort of what we need. You know, I think it's really important to promote wrestling and get viewership up if we want to, 
you know, move the sport in a positive direction like I think everyone wants to move it. Um, I'm not sure. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Do you think we need to interact more with social media? No, I mean, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, personally, I I love it, to be truthfully honest. I, you know, I I love it more when I – I get the impression that, that, you know, athletes are being kind of sincere and genuine. You can kind of, and there's a fine, you know, there's a fine line to toe there. There's, you know, you know, when certain athletes are just kind of going over the line and kind of just really being really fake for a lack of better terms. And then there's, there's <laughs> other athletes when you can really tell who, um, and I'm going to throw you in, into this category. Cause you mentioned it earlier, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to create interest. You're kind of built, you know, trying to build a brand, build some hype up for things. And to me that, that makes things exciting. You know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, I like the bad guys in wrestling. Um, I think the sport needs the heels for a lot, you know, so to speak, um, we need those type of those types of personalities, you know, the, the Johnny Hendricks, the Thomas Gilmans, um, you know, I'll throw Pat Downey out there, things like that. Um, so I, I think it's a really neat thing. And I know, Ben, you know, we've talked about this before, Ben, you know, Ben agrees. But you mentioned about building a brand. And I know you're big on, you know, creating excitement and building interest. So with where our current, you know, wrestling is today, if you had the chance to, to make some changes to make it better, what do you think we should do to, to make it better to draw more interest or to make it more? I'm not going to say draw more interest because I think it's going to it's going to be very difficult to draw, you know, new fans who know absolutely nothing about the sport into the sport as fans. You know, I, I say say this to people all the time. I could care less about. Um, swimming, for example, and there's nothing that swimming could do to make me want to become a fan and watch it all the time. But what can we do as a, as a whole to, to create a more better viewing experience for, for the fans today and to help, you know, in a lesser means and to help bring in potentially new fans. Um, I think where we can kind of separate from some of these other sports right now, because we're not mainstream as you know, I think, First and foremost, you've got to build superstars, but then you can have those superstars interact with people. Um, and social media, again, will be a great opportunity to do that. You know, um, it's an opportunity to connect with the fans. I can tell you when someone private messages me or gets my number and texts me, like I always take the time to respond back or talk to them, especially, you know, if it's a kid that's struggling with something or uh, anything along those lines. You know, it's an opportunity to create relationships. Like I said, again, build your brand and you know, kind of interact on a one-on-one basis. And I think that's important. Um, you know, maybe a, a two-minute text message out of my day can create a lifelong fan, not only of yeah. myself, but maybe of the sport. And that's something that's really important that'll, you know, maybe that person will be inspired to go to 65 straight NCAA tournaments when they announce that he's the only one standing left, you know, in the year 2070 awesome. or whatever it may be. Um, I think that's really important. That'd be something great to utilize. But you know, like you said, you, you just need to make it more interactive. You need to make uh, the viewership better. I don't know if it's it's a means of online streaming. You know, it seems like TV with ESPN's numbers are sort of dying. Um, but, you know, pe- people want a performance. People want a show. The WWE continues to have great numbers and great profits. Shout out Jerry Briscoe because, you know, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. And I think it's important to get, you know, the music, the stage, the elevated platform, the, uh, you know, the, the walkout music, like I said, the, the fireworks, the smoke show, uh, and not only just for the NCAA finals, but I mean, like Southern Scuffle is a great big tournament. I feel that it's, it's a big enough stage that they should do it for that. Obviously, All-Star Classic. Uh, duels should do that. I mean, 
you, you should walk away, I feel like, leaving from an event like, wow, that was really cool. That was a great experience. Not only was that great action out on the mat and those guys left everything they had, but, you know, I felt engaged the entire time. And I think that would be something really uh, important moving forward to try to create not only more viewers and more fans like you talked about, but more importantly, loyal viewers and fans that follow along for life. Speaking of the All-Star Classic, if they, if they, if they determine who's going to face Nick Navels, I know we, we chatted about it uh, last week. Um, what, yeah, you said you were interested. Is there, is there any hope still? Nope, I uh, I did not get the bid. Unfortunately, they gave it to Nick Neville and Tanner Hall, so okay. um, I will not be competing at All Star Classic. Unfortunately, well, you'll get you'll get your chance. You'll get your crack at both of them. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, you know, all right. So, Jacob, I want to say thank you. Uh, first of all, I, we've had you on for you know fifty five minutes. I think we're having a great conversation. Um, we'd love to continue if you have the time. Uh, if not, we totally understand. Right. You still got a few minutes. Yep, got as much time as you guys want. Anything for you guys. Awesome. Man. I'm, I'm curious to hear your guys' take though on what what needs to happen in the sport. You know, I think one of the big problems right now to further elaborate is I don't think we have open enough minds. I think a lot of people are stuck in their ways. So I'm I'm curious to hear what your guys' takes are on uh, how to improve the sport and how to create not only more viewers and fans but more lifelong fans. You know, I think you. You mentioned something there that has kind of always kind of been in the back of my mind that we have, you know, people who are kind of stuck in their ways. I think folk style wrestling in America is a very, um, I don't know, it's kind of a traditional type sport, you know, a lot like baseball where the longtime, you know, traditional fans, they don't want to see a lot change because it takes it away from the root of the sport of, that they started to follow. Um and I think that's a problem. I think that we have to be able to look at our sport, look at, you know, what we can do to make positive changes for the sport to evolve because, you know, everything evolves and without evolving, I mean, you know, you kind of, you kind of die off, you know, basically. Well, I mean, I'll tell you right now that I think that college wrestling should be freestyle. I think that we should, I think that we should be wrestling freestyle wrestling in the United States. What do you think, Jacob? Um, you know, I've wrestled both freestyle and Greco, so I, I think definitely a push for international styles is important. Um, but I'm not entirely convinced that it would have to be one of those two styles. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, I think the most important thing would be willing to fail going forward. You know, I had, um, I guess just to relate it back to my own personal story, I had a summer where I went 0-62, I think, and didn't win a single match going into my sophomore year. And, you know, coaches told me, you know, like, why are you still doing this, man? Like, go find something else, basically. And um, But the thing was, I wasn't afraid to strap it on, go out and compete and fail going forward. And I think that's something that we've had problems with. And, you know, I don't know if it's uh, financial constraints or what, but we need to be willing to fail going forward. So, you know, I understand not everyone's the biggest proponent of the freestyle transition or um, the one-semester the one transition, but I, I would be willing to try it and try to fail going forward if at the end of the day um, we can get one more kid to wrestle because of it, then I take it as a win as long as we don't lose any in the process. We've got to get our numbers up. If we get one more fan and we don't lose any because of it, then we, we've got our numbers up, and that's a win. So I think it's just important to be willing to fail going forward and keep an open mind in all, all discussions and just trying to improve like you guys were talking about. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there as well. You know, look, there's things about folk-style wrestling that I absolutely love. There's things about freestyle wrestling that I absolutely love. But there's also things about both that kind of that – I, that I don't like so much. Um, so I don't know what the perfect answer is to it. I do think that, um, to you know, 
to, to create more interest or to keep the fans that we have. We just we need to make for a more exciting experience for them at your dual meets or your open tournaments or whatever it may be. I mean, the NCAA tournament is an awesome experience, and for any fans out there that's never been, I highly suggest you going at least oh, once. But we need to figure out how to take that same excitement and translate that into, you know, open tournaments throughout the season or dual meets, much like, you know, Iowa's been able to accomplish, Penn State's now accomplishing. Um, even last year, to a lesser degree, Ohio State was able to to have a couple of their matches at the uh, the Schottenstein Center, and they did the whole fire and the, you know, the run-out music and the light shows, and it really – it really creates a, a a really neat viewing experience. So the more we can do like that, the more things that we can do like that to, to, to make it a better experience for the fans, the better, in my opinion. Absolutely. I agree. I, I just think, you know, like I said, we need to be able to fail going forward. And I think we've, we're not taking two steps forward and willing to take one back or whatever it may be. You know, I think we've just been kind of standing still and, to, you know, recall back onto your point, kind of like the kale quote, if you're not continually evolving, adapting and learning, then you'll learn a quick and painful lesson from someone who has. And it seems like some of these other sports, you know, like lacrosse has kind of seized that market. I think they're the fastest growing sport in the U.S. And we we really need to, you know, move forward and be willing to fail, I think, or we're going to, like I said, learn a quick and painful lesson from maybe some sport that has. Well, I mean, I think we got to grab the – uh, you know, we're not even grabbing people that wrestled in junior high and high school as fans all the time. You know, they they finish wrestling in high school and then they stop following the sport. Those are people that we need to grab. Exactly. Before you start talking about trying to grab casual people that never wrestled before, let's try to keep the people that did wrestle engaged. You know, that, those are just some of my opinions. But you know, we could talk about this forever. I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to finish up kind of talking about – so um, getting back to a little bit of wrestling, how's Duke looking right now? Duke's looking great. You know, uh, I'm excited to be a part of the transition and uh, culture change that we've had take place over the last five years. Um, I was Coach Lamb's first recruiting class, and now I'm the, the sole member uh, of it. We've had a couple guys graduate, a couple guys no longer on the team, a couple guys take job positions and leave early before their fifth year. So I've got to see um, the kind of uh, change in general, you know, from the locker room being transformed, the renovation of the wrestling room of the uh, lifting room of the training room so that's always exciting but more importantly like I said the change in the culture of our team you know I think not only do people believe it's possible to win at Duke I believe it's starting to become an expectation and I think this year will be our best year yet I think we have multiple guys that are ready to contend for national titles and ready to be at the NCAA tournament and All-American and I think we're going to be a breakout year I think we're going to turn a lot of heads and a lot of people are going to be like man where those Duke guys come from but it's Kind of like that Southern Scuffle uh, tournament for me last year. It's just time to break out, and it's time to get known on a national scene. So I'm really excited. Hey, Jacob, talk to me about how important Coach Lanham's been to that program. Uh, Coach Lanham's been monumental. Uh, First and foremost, like I said, he changed the culture. He brought guys in, you know, that were focused on not only being great people or great wrestlers, but being both. Um, And more importantly, you know, he leads by example. He brings on a staff with, you know, Coach Rowe, Coach Bell, Coach Nelson, and Coach Whistle that are uh, all quality people as well. So they, they challenge you to be a better person in all aspects of life, better man, better boyfriend, better student, um, better brother, better son. And that, that's definitely really important, and that's something, you know, that he takes a lot of pride in. You know, our, our team mantra or whatever has been, one, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, but also new breed and uh, – building the total student-athlete. He wants to build not only the total student-athlete, but the, the total person. 
So, like I said, they lead by example. They don't ask us to do anything that they don't do. And more importantly, they don't ask us to do a lot of stuff that they're not doing, uh, you know, themselves and leading by example. You know, you see Coach Whistle getting a lot of these conditioning workouts in with us. Coach Nelson's lifting with us all the time. Coach Lanham, you know, he's a little bit older, but he still gets down on the mat with us almost every day. Like, that's really impressive and definitely something that's motivating and uh, challenges you to be better. I think – I think people um, need to take a better look at Duke wrestling. You know, I, Dylan Ryan, my boy on Twitter, Rhino184, he oh, catches yeah. a lot of grief, but he, um, he's always constantly saying, like, so-and-so recruits should look at Duke. So-and-so recruits should look at Duke. And, you know, I think he's right. If you look at what Coach Lanham and Coach Whistle, Coach, you know, the staff have been able to accomplish, they, they've done really well and seen constant improvement with guys like me who weren't recruited by anyone else. They've taken guys that were completely under the radar and weren't anything spectacular and turned them into, you know, Connor Hartman, three-time All-American, me, you know, All-American, Mitch Feinstein around a 12. Like, coming out of high school, nobody even knew who those guys were. So I think if some of these top-end recruits are willing to give um, a shot to Duke wrestling, not only can they see the same exact type of improvement and, uh, you know, development as a wrestler, but they'll also see it as a person. And they've got a real shot to be, you know, the face of the program. I think if you go to an Ohio State or an Iowa, a Penn State, Okie State, even Cornell, Missouri, you, you know, yes, you're going into where the, the wrestling room's got a little bit better tradition. But on top of that, you know, you don't really have the shot to be the face of the program or to build your brand as much. I think I'm kind of known more so because I'm at a school that hasn't historically had a lot of success. And then that's been really cool, and I think it's an opportunity for some of these guys that are just passing up Duke because, you know, it is hard academically or, you know, they haven't had the best success. But it's an opportunity, and they need to see it as that and seize it as that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got on a little ramble there. But academically, uh, Duke's obviously world-class. Our team GPA is high always. Um, Coach Lanham's responsible for that as well as all the improvements and development in wrestling so to answer the question coach lamb's been monumental <laughs> yeah i think that's great stuff man i think right there you just kind of you know put into words if we were going to ask you the question of if i'm a you know a wrestler looking for a college to go to you know why choose duke and i think you just kind of you know you very very well said there um, you mentioned your boy Dylan Rhino. I, I, I know ben's got a question for you yeah so if you, if you gotta if you gotta pick the match Rhino versus Willie. Who you get? Who you got? Willie from Flo. <laughs> you know who I got. I'm in the I'm in the corner. Of my boy Dylan Ryan. He's always <laughs> been in my corner. Always helped me in every way he could. Um, we actually wrestled off to the spot my freshman year at 184. And um, despite you know me coming out of top on that matchup, he was always in my corner. Always texting me. Always helping me scout guys and always building my confidence, helping me academically or whatever it may be. So. I've definitely got my boy Dylan Ryan, and I'll help him in any way that he can. <laughs> train. We'll be looking like Rocky Ford training out in the snow and everything. Dude, so. those, those two get after it on Twitter. <laughs> At least Rhino does. Oh, absolutely. Willie doesn't get after him too much because he's always got him blocked. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dylan Ryan is uh, strong in his opinion. You know, he's strong in his knowledge, and that's partly why he's so strong in his opinion. But he's always willing to have an open discussion and explain his point of view and you know, he's always willing to see other people's point of view as well. So I think that's really important. Uh, we're, we're big Dylan Ryan fans. Uh, seriously, uh, <laughs> huge Rhino fans. Um, and we'd be in it. We, we'd be in his corner as well. Just uh, do me a favor. Let him know. Hey, listen, doctors don't get special parking privileges. So don't illegally park when you're, <laughs> when you're pulling all night, you know, uh, orthopedic surgery shifts because you're still going to get a ticket or get towed. 
No, you're not <laughs> above right. the law. He's not above the law exactly. just because he's a doctor. Um, all right, Jacob, look, man, before we before we end here, I want to talk about a couple of things non-wrestling related. I don't think people understand this side of you, but um, you have a very, very soft side. You love to help people. Um, you know, you're involved in some charitable type of uh, – of, um, of, uh, you know, organizations or initiatives. Um, I know one of them is, you know, you like, you know, you, you're involved in helping provide wrestling shoes for people not so fortunate. Can you talk a little bit about that, man? I'm sure you don't want to talk about this stuff because, you know, it's kind of like tooting your own horn, but I think this is, this is the good stuff that people need to hear. Yeah, we've had that talk before, you know, it's, it's not something that I'm necessarily, uh, the most comfortable talking about because um, like, like I said previously, you know, it's kind of something that I just do um, because I think it's important to do and something that, you know, I'm in a more fortunate position so I can help out and give back. awesome man great stuff to hear uh you also give a lot of your time helping coach uh, a lot of uh, national teams as well or help getting kids to disney duels or fargo or whatever it may be is that correct yeah uh you know it kind of again goes back to not only the way i was raised but some of the things that kind of happened in my career um you know i had a lot of coaches not willing to take me because i didn't have the best results or like i said i went 0 63 a summer and you know, I wasn't always the most successful wrestler, so I wanted to create an opportunity for a lot of those guys that maybe didn't wrestle for clubs or whatever it may be that wanted to go down. So I started taking teams to Virginia Beach myself um, after my freshman year to Disney, and then Team Ohio asked me to help out with, you know, Fargo and the junior duels and everything, and I'm, I'm grateful for that as well. I just, you know, like helping out, getting kids an opportunity to maybe compete, um, kind of play that role that Brandon Gambucci did for me, and teach them how to reach out to college coaches so they have an opportunity of higher education and an opportunity to compete at the next level. So that's, again, something that I'm just passionate about. You know, I coach our kids club down here at Duke. 
while I was out in California, I was coaching out there, uh, individuals and helping out at AKA and, you know, just, I wouldn't be where I'm at if people weren't willing to give back to me. So I think it's important to turn around and give it right back and help a helping hand to whoever might step up next. So that's, that's, I mean, that's awesome, dude. So, Hey, listen, I, I, I want you to tell a story for me, if you don't mind. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite stories. Um, my, one of my favorite stories that you've, you've told me. Um, it's about a guy who is actually here local with where me and Ben are from. His name's Brandon King. He was a wrestler in Vandalia for Vandalia Butler high school. Uh, Ben and I actually had the pleasure of coaching against Brandon, uh, quite a few times, to be honest. He beat up a couple of our kids. Yeah. Um, Brandon was a district qualifier here in Ohio who, uh, was fortunate to actually even go on and wrestle for a little while, I think at West Virginia tech university. Um, yep. But what people need to understand about Brandon was that Brandon uh, was autistic and his level, you know, his autism level was one that was, you know, considerably noticeable. I mean, it was it was obvious, um, but still one of the nicest kids you're probably ever going to come across. He would always the first person to come up and shake our hands and greet us with a smile and just, you know, you could tell he loved wrestling. Um, well, you actually have a little story to tell about Brandon that occurred in Fargo one year as you guys were out there wrestling uh, for, for junior nationals, or I think you might've actually been a coach at the time, maybe co- helping coach a team. So could you go ahead and yeah. you know tell this story for our listeners? I think it's a great story. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I would say I've been in the sport of wrestling um, since I was about three years old. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of expand on your point. I think it's probably, I mean, along with my little brother winning a state title, um, this story and helping some of those inner city kids get to college, it's definitely up there. It's like one of my top three favorite things for sure about the sport of wrestling. It just showed kind of how strong the community is and how willing to help it is. Um, like you said, BK, you know, was on on Team Ohio. You know, um, he didn't always have the most uh, folk-style success or freestyle success, but he petitioned on to the Greco team and got a spot. Um, we got him out there. We got him ready to compete the, the first year I was on staff, and um, – I think he ended up going one and two. He actually won a match and it was great, great opportunity. You know, I think he surprised us and um, surprised some of his teammates and maybe even surprised his family. Cause I don't think they were out there that year. And then um, the following year, again, you know, he petitioned onto the team, got on in a spot at a weight below that he actually competed all folk style season four. So we were aware it was going to be a hard cut, but you know, I, I knew BK and, you know, I interacted with him a lot. I talked to him every day. He brought great energy great passion was always willing to help his teammates you know he was just he was a great person great kid and um I thought he'd be able to do it so I helped push him any way I could we got his weight down real close you know it was one of those things where we were monitoring him because he's obviously a a a little different situation trying to help him get down I think it was either to 119 or 112 or 113 120 whatever it is now and um, he ended up just narrowly missing weight when we got out to Fargo, which was really unfortunate because, you know, like I said, he had put extra workouts in, was willing to help all of his teammates, um, was just kind of kind of there for everyone and helping in any way he could. And then it kind of uh, didn't work out for him. And then we find out that his mom and grandma came out to watch him this year, you know, after the year he had previously when he'd come out to Fargo and even won a match. So we were pretty upset at that. Me, Gavin Spielman, Zach Ice, and some of the other uh, Team Ohio coaches came up with a plan and you know hey they, they came all this way whatever it is a 21 hour drive it's not right to just kind of have them get back on the bus and ride home so we went around and talked to different uh you know team coordinators team coaches uh officials 
just trying to find him an exhibition match. You know, do you have anyone that'd be willing to wrestle around these weights, you know, explaining the situation? And fortunately, you know, a couple coaches came up and recommended a couple people. And we ended up eventually getting onto a kid that was willing to do it. And then we got an official that was willing to officiate the match and they were willing to do it in between, you know, the sessions and on furthermore, they were willing to do it on the big stage. So BK ended up getting to wrestle a match on the big stage in front of everyone at Fargo, which was pretty awesome. That's you know? awesome. Uh, I don't think he ended up coming up on coming out on top in that match, but you know, he got the opportunity to compete in front of his mom and grandma that made that trip out there. And, you know, it, it was just great. It was definitely like a heartwarming experience and showed how close the community is. You know, that's exactly right. It, it, it just like exactly what you said. It shows a wrestling community, how close we are, even as competitors to be able to come together, to give a kid an opportunity like that. Um, you know, BK, he's, He's just such a great kid. Every time I saw him, I just you couldn't help but smile. So we really appreciate what you did there. No problem. I mean, I was one of many and really fortunate. BK is the man, and we still interact on Facebook a lot. He'll poke me or message me randomly. So hopefully he ends up listening to this and seeing he got a shout-out because I'm sure he'll love it. Yeah, we love BK, man. Again, thanks a lot for telling that story. Um, so, hey, man, Jacob, that's, that's all we got for you tonight. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, anybody you want to shout out, anything you want to say? You know, I just, again, want to take an opportunity to thank you, uh, you guys, along with all other wrestling social media and uh, media people in general. Um, I think it's awesome to get to see everyone interacting on Twitter and Instagram and through podcasts and everything. You know, uh, you put so much effort into wrestling a seven-minute match, and a lot of it doesn't really get to get brought to the light. So it's cool to have an opportunity to further express ourselves and get to show who we really are through avenues like this. And like I said, I've been a big fan of you guys' podcast for a while, and Looking forward to it. You know, if there's anyone out there that's listening or struggling, feel free to reach out and hopefully uh, talk to me. You know, I'd be glad to talk to people anymore about any issue, whether it be Crohn's or improving or whatever, helping out camps, clinics, you know. Uh, but, yeah, thank you. And, you know, I'm here to help in any way I can moving forward and just appreciate it and looking forward to Cleveland with you guys. So uh, I'm going to hold you guys to the fact that you said you'd wear the Team Ohio shirt and uh, – or the Team Caster shirt in oh, Ohio yes. there on I'll March be wearing 17th it. next year. <laughs> Here's I the appreciate it. Here's the deal, Jacob. Listen, so in March 2018, Ben and I will have our Team Casper shirts. At some point in time during the tournament, at the end of the tournament, whenever, we want to find you and we expect a picture with us in our shirts with you in it. Is that cool? Absolutely. I want the exact same thing, so that, that sounds great. Awesome. Can't wait for it, man. Well, hey, listen again, Jacob. Uh, we appreciate you coming on tonight with us. Um, it's been an awesome time talking to you. We wish you the best of luck this best season. Of luck, man. I know you're going to do big things this year. We hope you accomplish all the goals you set out for and um, look forward to following you this year. Thank you guys so much again. I appreciate it and looking forward to that picture in uh, Cleveland there. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Episode number 40 in the books. And as always, from the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, don't wind up on your back, bro.